talk around here. Maybe a little bit from Steve Wilkes, but not because they're tanking as an entire organization, but because Steve Wilkes, the interim head coach as it stands currently, called out the organization for trying to tank in what was somewhat of an emotional presser after their win against Seattle. Here's what Steve Wilkes had to say to media after the game. He said, quote, with everything they've gone through, the coaching changes, players leaving, the organization trying to tank it, all those different things, and to see how those guys respond today is pretty thrilling. Yes, he told reporters that yesterday after the game against the Seattle Seahawks. Wes, you have an interesting, maybe, comment about those takes from Steve Wilkes saying the organization tried to tank it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's kind of calling out the organization, not kind of, actually, directly calling out Scott Fitterer, anybody that has a decision-making authority over this personnel, and even David Tepper being the owner, who is obviously going to sign off on that type of move. I don't know for me if I would go full-on tank mode because we've been talking about trading Christian McCaffrey for a long time here in this city, especially after the second season-long injury. Nobody thought trading Robbie Anderson was this huge loss for Carolina, but they did trade what was their best offensive player when healthy in Christian McCaffrey. That guy's awesome. And Steve Wilkes, even if I don't think it's entirely true, I love that he said it because you're creating a bond with your players and you're creating this us against the world mentality that the players seem to have really bought into. So even if it's not necessarily true from a standpoint of what David Tepper was trying to roll with Scott Fitterer, I don't really care because it's all about the message to the players. And if the players believe that, if they feel like Steve Wilkes is in it with us and we're fighting everybody, even within our own organization, man, it makes you feel that much more angry. And then if you harness that the way they have been playing some angry, good football, I love it. Now, do you worry at all that calling out the organization the way he did might affect his ability to gain permanent status as the head coach? Well, I was perusing around this morning and uh, okay, you know, sourcing things There's to talk Brian to the- again. <laughs> Looking for topics to talk with the people about. And I saw an entire platform that was dedicated to this very topic. Uh, and so, uh, you know, I give the man his credit. It was called uh, Panthers Uncut on YouTube, that channel. I give, mm-hmm. I give that content creator his credit. And I discovered it. I just fell upon it. And his whole platform was dedicated to this. And the thumbnail that he had on it said, you know, uh, I can't believe he said that. And so I was like, well, man, because, you know, Coach Wilkes, he's he's a guy that's going to get to the point. He's not going to say anything provocative. So I was like, what could Steve Wilkes have said? And so when I heard what was being discussed and the fact that he said that and then the rationale around it saying that, what well, NFL, you know, has had a couple of things as far as hot mics with refs getting caught saying some things they shouldn't say, alluding to the fact that um, – you know, maybe some calls are being just kind of manufactured. Then, of course, we had the Calvin Ridley deal with the gambling. And, you know, you have the conspiracy theorists out there who think sometimes that a lot of these games are rigged and things of that nature. That's a, that's a whole nother debate. But just saying that with those type of things out there for those type of people who subscribe to those things for a coach to get up there and, and just blatantly say the organization trying to tank there was just discussion that, hey, this doesn't look good to NFL. You know, they don't want the NFL snooping around, trying to see if things are happening. Oh, not to mention the Flores lawsuit about the things we've seen and what Hugh, uh, Hugh, what's my, uh, Hugh, 
the coach mm-hmm. that coached the Browns, uh, Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Yeah. Things that Hugh Jackson said about how he was told to tank games and things of that nature. So just for a coach to get up there and say that, the NFL could inquire and say, okay, were well, you explicitly told this, this, that, and a third, and it could bring some heat on there. And just I wanted to present it to you guys and out there in Radio Land and us in the pre-show just saying, do you think that that was a damning comment for him to say something well, like that? I, and look, there's a lot of people that are angry that we're talking about this on the text line. And the reason being is because they feel like we're taking out of context. I do want to clarify, Steve Wilkes well, did. what other context is there? Well, Steve Wilkes did try to clarify and say that's what people were talking about. Not necessarily saying the organization was trying to tank it. Even if he did kind of say it beforehand, he was trying to say, no, that's not what I meant. And that he was clarifying it's what the players were hearing that the organization was trying to take it so no i'm not trying to make this more than what it is i do think that it's still an interesting conversation an interesting thought when he puts that out there post the seahawks victory and did so, he say that after he did he come back again afterwards or he said that in the same presser yeah i i'm trying to look at the comment okay. real quickly so but yeah like and i get it right like people are saying that he actually did discuss that um and said that it was just about what the organization was hearing and still commend or excuse me what the players were hearing and still being able to go out there and fight and put, you know, block out all the noise. And so I understand, you know, what Wilkes was kind of talking about at the same time, even if he, even if that was true, Mm -hmm. like even if he feels that way, even if he feels that the players might've felt some type of way watching Christian McCaffrey get traded, you know, watching Robbie Anderson, who I know DJ Moore was close with Robbie. I mean, there were certainly some players in that locker room that had a friendship with Robbie Anderson you might feel some type of way about those players getting traded. It's really hard, especially when they're being traded for draft picks that can't help you right now. And so I'm not even going to blame the players for possibly thinking that if they did think that way. Um, and and for you to be able to start to go to battle with a head coach that is clearly here for you, I, I really respect that. So, yeah, I don't look. People can get mad. I'm just saying what Steve Wilkes said afterwards, even if he clarified it, still was just relaying what he said after the game against the Seahawks. And he said not that the organization was trying to, but that's what people were saying about the Panthers organization. Um, If you look at Steve Wilkes and the way that he's able to perform in the last eight games, going four and four, going 500, Wes, I I do think it's going to be really hard if he continues this type of path to keep him out of being the permanent coach because I just, I don't see a reason why, especially if we're talking about the players that are defending his role here that want him to be here with this Panthers franchise. Imagine the kind of message that sends to the guys that you have on the roster right now. Ultimately, they still have a job to do, but I think the people part of this matters. And when you're talking about trying to bring in free agents and then free agents might want to roll over to the city of Charlotte And then they realize, wait, David Tepper didn't care enough about these players to give them the coach they wanted after he did a good job. Now, I don't want to sign there. I'm going to get some similar money to this other franchise. I think that kind of stuff matters. I I think Steve Wilkes, after this game, especially the most important win of the season, I'm all in on Steve Wilkes getting this head coaching job with Carolina permanently. Well, I think that on top of what he's done, we talked about it before, the intangibles that he brings to it makes too much sense. Hometown guy. He's going to put some butts in the seats because of that. I feel like the city will get behind him that much more because he's, quote, unquote, one of our own. So I think that adds to the aesthetic of it. The fact that you also 
would like to see what he could do with the second chance. We know he caught a raw deal in uh, Arizona. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it even with Coach Silas, man, just African-American coaches getting put in tough positions that have to try to make sugar out of bleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, that's what type of situation he got put in in Arizona because I don't think he wanted to draft Josh Rosen. And so now, you know, he gets a great situation at home with his hometown team. Players are certainly behind him. And, you know, they can try to figure out that quarterback position. So I think it just makes too much sense in the world to hire him, uh, you know, in theory. Now, as we get into the meat of this, I'll say, you know, I worry a little bit about the long-term sustainability of how he may go about things. But You're, I just you're think- kind of exploring the reasons as to why you might go away from Steve Wilkes. Maybe not go away. I I think that they should. I'm just saying the things that I feel like maybe could be detriments to him being a long-term fixture at the position. Well, running the football really effectively is going to help your offense, right? No doubt about it. I I, I think Steve Wilkes is right to lean into the best part of this football team offensively, which is running the football as much as possible, mixing in some play action, which I, I think... I think Ben McAdoo did have some of some good things working for him in this game, right? Like still getting the ball in LaVisca Chanel's hands, you know, running the football for the most part. But yeah, there were some certainly certainly some problems. But this this team has embodied that identity that Steve Wilkes wants them to roll with. And they're all kind of selling this right now. Fiddy, what are your comments on Steve Wilkes and possibly keeping this job long term? I think if he's not retained as Carolina's head coach, that's everything you need to know about who David Tepper is as an owner. This is the same guy who said he wasn't going to meddle in football things. He didn't want to be the next Jerry Jones of NFL owners, even though Jerry's putting out right now a very consistent product on the field. This guy's four and four. Like, he completely surprised me. I came on here after he got named the interim and said, you guys don't want him as your interim head coach. This guy was a disaster in Arizona. And now they're four and four. They control their own destiny to win the division and host a playoff game. These guys play for him. These guys respect him. Unless it all just goes south these last four games. There's no way you you, you don't argue that he's the best candidate for the job. And if Tepper goes somewhere else, I would lose all faith in that guy being my owner if I was a Panther fan. I think a lot of fans echo that same thing you're talking about. Because, the, the look... If you want to have concerns because you are one of these people that want the offensive genius, quote unquote, right? Hmm. Because you want that offensive minded guy because it does provide stability. If you go and get an offensive coordinator, that's really smart. Is Mike March still available, by the way? I don't. Maybe. If Mike March, that'd be fantastic. We could bring Mike March ah, back. Funny, funny, funny. But if you go get that offensive minded guy and he's awesome then odds are you're going to lose him. I mean, maybe even after one year. We've seen that a couple of times where you have a great year and then all of a sudden you're promoted to being this head coach. But Steve Wilkes, the way that he's performed and the way that he's able to create a relationship. I, I, I do this a lot with the NBA. Seth Partnow worked with the Milwaukee Bucks organization in the analytics department. And he said he had a conversation with a head coach one time. And they kind of broke down this chart, maybe this pie chart, if you will. But Fiddy, don't eat it, right? Don't eat something different. If you break down this pie chart, then 40% of it is relationships and just getting guys to play hard. And then like 20% of that is getting guys to play together. And so over half of the coaching responsibility for you is trying to figure out how these guys can go out on the football field and perform. Now, basketball is a little bit different than football and maybe even a lot different. But the point being, these players are executing at a higher level. 
I mean, Wes, we're seeing players just flat out improve on Steve Wilkes' watch more so than they improved on Matt Rule's watch. And I think that stuff matters. Making the right decision personnel. Making the right decision on how you call and prepare for a football game. And that's why it's really hard to go into a different direction other than Steve Wilkes being your permanent head coach. Now, do you think, what do you say to push back on that point? What do you say to these players that are improving, are showing some promise, but it's also kind of, again, a theory I love to use, playing with a little bit of house money, and then when next season you're counted on to produce week in and week out against, you know, who knows how the schedule is going to play out or whatever the case may be, better competition, whatnot. But what do you say to the fact that some of the players that are that are stepping up, are they are they stepping up to where you see them? And not everybody's going to be a difference maker, but do you see them stepping up to being starter level to difference maker type players? And do you see them being guys who, when it's really, really on them, when the money's on the table next season, when they're expected to let's say they do get to the playoffs when they come in the next season, expect it to win the NFC South, expect it to be one of the best teams in the NFC. Do you feel like they're making the improvements to be that kind of player? Uh, I mean, I think from some of what we've seen so far, like I guess Terrace Marshall is, is one interesting name. Yeah. You know, he had the ridiculous catch yesterday. I mean, that was where he just was able to sandwich the football, you know, in between his legs and was able to hold on to that. It didn't touch the ground. An amazing catch. But Terrace Marshall's been improving. I, I think Shy Smith. Got his first touchdown pass yesterday. After what was a struggle to start the year, Shai Smith caught a touchdown pass. Sam Darnold is playing pretty well right now under Steve Wilkes. Yeah, I, I think I think you can get to a point where you feel pretty good about some of the younger guys. It's all about how they progress. But I think the point is, from what we can evaluate for Steve Wilkes so far, mm-hmm. all signs are pointing up. Why would you get off that highway? just because you're scared about what's at the end. Because right now it's leading to the promised land. And I don't know why you would decide to go into a different direction because that seems a little bit more risky, right? It's all about mitigating risk. How do I get all of the reward without the risk? Well, right now, Steve Wilkes has shown you he can turn around a team that many people did think were about to tank. And now they're 500. And they just beat a team that was in playoff contention and still kind of is. So isn't it more risky to bring in somebody completely different? And expect him to do what you're honestly hoping to see next year. If this year would have gone basically the same direction as Matt Rule was leading them, you would expect a 500 record next year, right? And you'd be kind of cool with that. Well, Wilkes is giving you that with this team. He didn't even have to wait till next year. And I kind of expect it to play out as the season goes on. I mean, winning two more games out of the next four, that's easily doable. We're really talking about whether he can go 3-1, and 4-0. and Possibly to go. Maybe. I mean, if they go to a different coach to accomplish what they already did with this coach since he took over, make that make sense. I can't do it. And that's why I think Steve Wilkes is absolutely the leader in the clubhouse to be the permanent coach of this team going forward. I want to continue to talk about the Carolina Panthers coming up. Does it basically come down to this week 17 matchup with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? That'll be the question for you. You can text in 704-570-9610. It's Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Last hour of Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. 
Can Steve Wilkes' blue-collar football mentality be sustainable long-term? And would QBs enjoy playing this type of offense? You can text in 704-570-9610. I do think Sam Darnold is probably enjoying playing in this offense right now because it has allowed him to have two good games back-to-back. And I think it all kind of matters what QB you are in this league. With Sam Darnold needing some help. This is someone that was an afterthought coming into this offseason. Carolina traded for Baker Mayfield despite having picked up that fifth-year option. They were desperate to move off of Sam Darnold. They benched him last year. They brought in Cam Newton. We saw P.J. Walker actually do a pretty good job when he comes in as a starting quarterback in relief of one Baker Mayfield. Sam has to be the guy again, and sure enough, he performs well enough the last two games. So I don't really care exactly how Sam Darnold feels right now, but I also think that he does probably feel a lot better about this offense, man. He wants to win. He wants to keep fighting for a shot to be a possible starting quarterback in this league. He's playing like a back-end starter right now. I don't know what you deem that. Bottom 10, bottom 5 starting QB, whatever. He's playing, I mean, even average the last couple games. I mean, I I don't want to criticize him too much. The guy has been just fine the last couple of games. This is the long-term worry about Steve Wilkes, though, if you are not a fan of conservative football. How much will Steve Wilkes allow a capable quarterback to throw the ball all over the yard? And this has always been my defense of the head coach as it stands right now, Wes. I think they need to take that guy wherever he is. They need to go after him in the NFL draft. And I'm hoping that he has a real shot to be the starter. But if you wanted to do the, you know, bridge quarterback thing, bring Sam Darnold in, use him kind of as a shield, to be honest with you, allow him to play the first five, maybe does he get to 10 games? Does he Mm -hmm. play average enough with this offensive philosophy to be okay, where you don't have to throw your young QB in the fire? Sometimes it's good to do that. Sometimes you don't really need to. I think that is a fine enough plan to go into next season with. I just want them to continue to draft a QB. And if he turns out to be somebody that can throw it all over the yard, fantastic. You put him with Steve Wilkes. I don't think Wilkes is enough of an ego monster to tell this young QB, whoever he is, hey, we're going to play my way. We're not going to have any of this throwing the football over the yard. They can still lean on the run. They can still have him throw some crazy darts outside the numbers because it's one of the harder throws to make. And you can have an offense that's cooking where you have finally your young guy of the future. But you need to go get him because I still don't think with the way that Sam Darnold has performed the past two games that you do have your signal caller of the future. I would agree with that 100 percent. I think that really I know as much as Panther fans want to go to the playoffs, I feel like they're hurting themselves in the long run. And I know this is not going to be a popular opinion, but as we said, you need to go and get the guy now. Is your draft room, your draft team so good that you can go find a guy in the second, third, fourth round? Perhaps. That could happen. But as far as right now, you're in a bad division where you more than likely get into the playoffs with a losing record. You more than likely don't go very far in the playoffs. And then you come into next season with expectations, with roster as uh, constructed. And then, yeah, you'll add some pieces and things of that nature. But if you still don't have the guy at quarterback, how good will you feel next season going into that season with Sam Donald as the guy with this offensive philosophy? Because I just feel like the way that the Panthers play, also a thing that we're, you know, not wishing it on Foreman, but you're a Deontay Foreman injury away from really being in a bad spot. Like we saw Chuba run the rock well yesterday, but we haven't seen that consistently. 
And so it's like, okay, you're going to next year, Deontay Foreman's your guy. Well, what happens if he tears Achilles in preseason? Or what happens if he is out for four to six weeks? I don't want to bring up specific injuries. Yeah, knock on wood, everybody. All right, knock on wood. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to do that. But let's just say that he misses significant time or a season. Then I'm like, is it still going to look the same if you have to go to the point where you rely on a Sam Donald to throw it 35, 40 times for you to win a football game. And so that's the only thing I really worry about is this season going to mess them up in the long run because then you think next season you may not be bad enough to get into that top one or two to potentially get a May, potentially get a Caleb Williams. So I'm just thinking about the longevity of this thing and would this year hurt more than help in the long run. Diddy, what do you think about Sam Darnold possibly being that guy going forward? Because I know you were kind of one that brought this to my attention in the pre-show. Hey, if Sam Darnold puts together another performance like he get against Denver where you see them win that game and then he does the same thing against Seattle, honestly, didn't play as well as he did against Denver. Also, didn't have to. No, didn't make the back-breaking mistake. Almost had the chest pass as we talked about. But it was fourth down and you were trying to make something happen. Really the most egregious mistake I feel like he made in this game yesterday against Seattle. There's a real shot that he just plays within the confines of the offense, behind a better offensive line, and is just fine enough. What does that get Sam Darnold, Fiddy, going forward? It gets him back in Carolina next year as your starter. And I think if they go down the stretch 2-2, two and 3-1, two, and 4-0, and oh, I think he's your starting quarterback next year because – you know, look at what he's doing with better coaching, better offensive line play. He he isn't making the Sam Darnold mistakes that we're used to seeing this guy make. And I brought this up last week. Given where you are right now, and now that you you, you have to go for the playoffs, you, you have to go try to win the division because it's right there. You're not going to be in a position to draft, you know, Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud. Really, all the other guys are projects. You already have one of those guys on your roster in Matt Corral, who I'm not, I don't want to give up on without letting him see the NFL field. Hooker's already 25, so there's an age component also coming off the ACL injury. I think this team would be drafting best player available, and then you're just waiting for the next year to draft a quarterback if all hell breaks loose and you can get a Drake May or a CJ Stroud, or with more stability in the front office, better players around you you could legitimately go get a better quarterback on the trade market and those guys are going to be available every offseason i think moving forward so the the thing about sam darnold that's interesting too is i don't know how much money he's going to get you got to remember he's a free agent and you're not franchise franchise tagging sam darnold that would be idiotic so you're not going to do that he's making 18.8 million dollars right now we thought that was way too much right coming into this season so what kind of contract does he get if you look at high-end backup money what is it without looking it up we can we can get our research team on it i think high-end backup money is like what 10 yeah i mean like like trubisky got a one-year deal in buffalo for 10 million dollars rehabilitated his image feels about right yeah i mean like so that's and look i don't think darnold like like dude he might talk funny he's not a dumbass like he knows he can't go in there and, and <laughs> no, demand. I don't think that. You know, like I don't. He's not going to go in there and demand like fifteen, twenty million dollars. If he gets security next year, whether it's a one-year deal with an option, whether it's a player or a team, or even a two-year option, he's not saying no. I would not imagine because he still knows he's still having to prove himself at this level. So the thing is, though, if he plays well enough, we're all kind of operating under the caveat that he performs this way the rest of the year. 
however you deem his play so far, above average, average, just a tick below, whatever, right? It's kind of in that neighborhood. If he does play this way the rest of the year, then there's going to be some other suitors out there because nobody else has to give Sam Darnold, you know, $10 million, $15 million. I mean, Fiddy, I, look, if, if Fiddy really wanted to say something, I, are, are you, what are you eating right now? Are you, you're, you're mid bite. <laughs> like you, what are you eating? I'm eating my Jersey Mike's number nine club Supreme. Um, no, I don't think there's going to be a list of teams waiting to sign well, Sam wait, Darnold. Why, so, I mean, it's not like everybody's going to be knocking down the door, but if there are going to be other QB needy teams or a team that just feels like they need some depth, then there might be a handful. Okay. Give me some teams. If you have any of the, well, who are the teams that need a quarterback right now? Well, I, I would have with you saying that teams would be willing to bring in Darnold. You would have those quarterback needy teams at the top of your mind. There aren't going to be many. Like, <laughs> look, look, nobody was willing to trade for this guy. Carolina was. Outside I, of Carolina. And then look at what they gave up. It was one of the dumbest trades we've seen. Okay. But the Steelers decided to go after Trubisky. Trubisky's better than Darnold. Not by much. He's so better. Then that, Ooh, so, that, so then that means, what? So then what is Sam going to get? Like five million because one just year, used... maybe ten million dollars at the most. So, okay, and then I'm confused about this whole contract conversation we're having because if you were bringing up Mitchell Trubisky as a Sam Darnold example, but now you're saying it's not, like I, it feels like that is kind of an example that you could use. No, I just don't think there are going to be teams that are going to be lining up the door to bring Sam Darnold to their organization. How many teams were looking to bring in Mitch Trubisky? Pittsburgh, and that was just about it. Yeah, I don't know what other teams could be looking. If Let's say the Raiders move on from Derek Carr. I mean, this kind of stuff happens all the time where a coach or, excuse me, a team unexpectedly loses their starting quarterback. And you know what? You might just have a franchise that wants a backup, a high-end backup, that's willing to dish out that kind of money because they've been spurned before based off of a starting QB getting hurt. And so maybe you decide to throw Sam Darnold $10 million, And maybe because it's not like Carolina, by the way, is operating with all the money in the world, right? So, like, if it does, all it takes is one other team. And if they view Sam Darnold worthy enough to pay 8 to $10 million to be a backup or something like that, then Carolina just might not bring him back. And at that point, it's not like I feel great paying him that kind of money. How much is Baker Mayfield going to determine the, the market for Sam Darnold? I have zero clue. What like do you mean? I, I think because he's gonna. What do you What do you mean? What do you, he's gonna be a free agent? He just led a team on a comeback last week on Thursday Night Football. You're angry today. I you, well, I mean, like, <laughs> I, like that, that that idea came to my head, and you were like, "What do you mean? I don't think it really matters." And I'm like, I I, I think that Mayfield's market is going to determine what Sam Darnold can demand if he's in a position to demand on the open market. So if Baker Mayfield, <laughs> yeah, goodness gracious. Why are you so mad I'm about? I'm glad it's y'all for a change. Yeah, Baker. If Baker Mayfield, as far as dictating what Sam is going to make, is Sam Sam's playing better overall in Carolina than Baker did, but Baker might be playing well enough at the end of the season for the Rams. I don't know who's going to make more money. I mean, do you go after the number one overall pick that actually has more of a track record in the NFL with Baker? Or do you go with the what have you done with me lately, Sam Darnold, in this scenario, playing good enough for Carolina to finish with a respectable record? Like I, I'm really interested to see what happens there. You're you're saying it's ridiculous and Sam's going to make more? Like no, this is no, what no, I mean. I, I was I just know. bringing up like how much is is Mayfield still going to be able to demand a certain market that maybe Sam Darnold will say, hey, bro, I I, I outplayed this guy in this time in Carolina. Maybe I'm in a like like there's going to be a team that's going to look at Mayfield's tape, what he did in Cleveland. 
what he did last week with the Rams and mm-hmm. say, this guy can be a difference maker at the position. I don't know if people are going to feel the same way about Darnold, but if Mayfield gets a good backup quarterback contract, don't think that Darnold won't go into the, the, the meeting table or the, the meeting room and offer or, or demand the same type of money. Wes, what do you think about the future of Sam Darnold? I think that I agree with you on a lot of points as far as I think that there will be a couple teams that are quarterback needy if Sam Donald continues to play down the stretch the way that he's been playing because I think teams will look at it and say, hey, you know, this used to be a high turnover guy. He's cut that down. He's making better decisions now. We feel like we can bring him uh, into our system. Baker Mayfield... And it's just conjecture at this point, but I don't know that he'll play well enough down the stretch where teams are going to, you know, really want him to, you know, come in that way, as City said, and, and dictate a market that will affect Sam Darnold. I think if Darnold continues to play well, cut the turnovers down, there's, there will be some teams, not in abundance, but there will be some teams that might be in competition with Carolina to retain his services. Well, yeah, and I just, I wonder with some of these quarterbacks that might be a little bit injury ridden, you know, who are the NFL teams that are like, all right, we can stay afloat with one Sam Donald and actually make the postseason. So yeah, we'll see what the market's going to be. Sam Donald is though, I think playing himself into certainly a possibility of being that bridge QB. But again, it's not like Carolina has all the money in the world. And I wonder how that baton passing would go with another young quarterback that they might draft. Some people are clamoring for Matt Corral too. And I know you've talked about Corral, the thing about Corral, man, it, it's it, people are asking, does he deserve a shot? I mean, sure, he'll get a shot in training camp. He'll get his shot and do whatever he can during the preseason and leading up to the season. There's no way that I, I want to bank everything at, an, at a position as important as QB and say, you know what? We're not going to draft a QB in the first round. Maybe not even second. We're going to give Matt Corral a shot to be the starter. That crowd might be fine. I don't know. But at the same time, the odds as you get deeper into the draft are against you. Like people can bring up some of these quarterbacks that have actually panned out once you're second, third, fourth, fifth. Everybody loves to do the Tom Brady example. And those are outliers. Like if you want to go down the list of starting quarterbacks in the league right now, you have some guys that can be good that are drafted a little bit later. Sure. But also a lot of them come from the first round too. So if you go if you go just break this down by round by round, there are more first round QBs that are successful than quarterbacks at the end of the draft that are second, third and fourth. So if you want to go to some of the other young, talented guys, right? Pat Mahomes, first round, Deshaun Watson, first round, Justin Herbert, first round, Joe Burrow, first overall. Those are your friend Josh Allen, right? Like that's not to say that we can't find guys deeper. Jalen Hurts, great example, not taken in the first round. But everybody kind of gets it so twisted that you can bank on one of these third, fourth, fifth round guys to be the possible answer. Give me the actual round that produces more star quarterbacks than all the other ones. Let's draft one in the first. You got a Fitty, go ahead. You had something? Oh, nope. You want to wait for a Fitty Flash? What do you have to say real quick before we go to that Fitty Flash? Uh, no, I mean, as you said, they have to go get that quarterback. It's imperative. And, and there's no buts about it. As you said, you have to have a lot of luck on your side to want to wait past the first round to get a guy. And as we said, it can be done, but it's just the odds. It's like the lottery. The odds go up and up and up and up the longer you wait. Absolutely. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in as we end the show. Time now for the last Fitty Flash of the day. Well, guys, there's a new number one in college basketball as Purdue 
is now the number one team in the country, followed by Virginia at number two. UConn is all the way up to number three. The Huskies are undefeated 11-0. Alabama is four, Houston five. Alabama beat number one Houston on Saturday in in Houston. The top ten follows with Tennessee six, Texas seven, Kansas eight, Arizona nine, Arkansas ten. Some other ACC teams that check in, Duke at 12. And then at the bottom of the poll, you've got Virginia Tech and Miami rounding up 24 and 25. Mm-hmm. I think Virginia is really, and Wes brought this up last week, I think they're really starting to establish themselves as the best team in the ACC. But I was having a conversation with, with Kyle Bailey down in the fishbowl this morning before he went to go get his hair cut. Virginia Tech might be the most consistent team we've seen from an ACC team so far during the first month of the season. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see all the ACC teams, especially what do you think about some of these teams that are sneaking in the top 25, right? Like Virginia Tech, Miami, when we go in with all of these you know, really talented programs and the way that we thought maybe the ACC would be back, even if North Carolina is kind of struggling out of the gate, despite their most recent win against Georgia Tech, looks like some of these other teams that we're talking about could help salvage, quote unquote, being a little bit in jest there, but could salvage the reputation for this season. Yeah, finally, not the usual suspects that we want or necessarily always see, but Miami's starting to come back up after the run that they had. Uh, Lord knows they paid for it with some of the guys they got on those NIL deals. Uh, Virginia Tech and the, the blue-collar Hokies that they are, Justin Mutz and the crew, they have been playing good basketball. I agree with Fiddy that they've been playing some good ball this year. Duke, you know, they just continue to be a work in progress. And then Virginia, like I said, they look like the class uh, of the league right now. They got a huge game with Houston coming up this week where we'll get to see just uh, or continue to see just where they are at. Uh, so that's going to be big. But, yeah, the ACC needs it with some of the teams, especially the Florida States, the Louisvilles, some of these teams that's just really taking a nosedive this year. It's good to see some ACC blood back in that uh, poll. All right, we'll look at what's on tap. Also, view this day in sports history. Coming up next, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. some good news from Fiddy, who feels like he's kind of gone through it today, was angry at some backup quarterback conversation, really been going through it with the voice, which me and Wes can understand, especially because Wes got sick last week. I've been dealing with all sorts of issues, congestion, trying to talk on the air. It's been rough. And I feel like you battled through today, Fiddy. So even if we did get into a backup quarterback where your point at one at one time during the show, in the last segment, you said, what do you mean, what do I mean? <laughs> no, that was your point back about the Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold conversation. Are you feeling better now that the end is, well, until I thought, until I recognized that you also have to do the Kyle Bailey show today. Yeah, no, I mean, like, I forgot look, all about that. I, uh, with you. The, the funny thing about it is that I've actually felt a lot better when I've been yelling at you. Mm. And so maybe wishing to do that for the next three hours, just have you sit in with KB and yeah. I'll just yell at you indirectly. You, you and, probably don't want to yell at Kyle, right? No, because Kyle Bailey whooped my ass. Yeah. You don't um, think I could. I mean, I feel like you could, but like. There's a size difference, mm -hmm. which means I could hit you in a certain body area and oh. that could maybe make it even for us. Gotcha. Get Whoa. you down to my level. <laughs> uh, and I got Wes on my back and Wes has been dying to throw you through a table. But yeah, no, I'm going through it. But 
I'm here toughening it out like real men do. Yeah, you're battling, and that is because you are the real man Marlowe here on the Wesson Walker That's Show. All right, What's on Tap? What's on Tap is brought to you by Twin Peaks. You can join our e-club to stay up to date on all things Twin Peaks and score free stuff. Visit TwinPeaksRestaurant.com slash Peaks dash club. Monday night football matchup tonight is between the Patriots and the Cardinals. 8-15. How interested are you in watching the Patriots and Cardinals game tonight, Wes? Not very. Probably <laughs> won't watch a second. Okay, there you go. Fiddy, how interested are you in this one? Uh, I'm interested to see if this is the week that Cliff Kingsbury gets the can if he loses at home to New England. The Patriots still playing for their playoff lives. Uh, the Cardinals are just a disaster, dysfunctional franchise. Uh, and I feel like if, if New England comes in there and wins, this could be what, what, what kicks the can for Cliff Kingsbury, which wouldn't make me too upset because Mac Brown needs a play caller in Chapel Hill. I'll come back to the college game just across the country is the angle of one fitty. I feel like I'm going to watch this game. I watch pretty much every Monday night game. I told you, really? I'm, I'm yeah, I'm the sicko that always wants to tune in. It's like sicko. football. Yeah. I'll, I'll watch all the bad matchups. This is even necessarily a bad one. I mean, so, you're right. New England is playing for their playoff lives. You're not going to spend time with your girlfriend who's back after running a marathon over the weekend, which you have now gone two hours and 48 minutes without mentioning on the air? I did mention that. Only the reason that you know is because I mentioned that, and I will reference it now. Thank you. It's not like I was backed into a corner or anything for that. I planned on doing it this segment, oh. but you beat me to it. And that's not how homeboys are supposed to treat one another. And I really I really don't appreciate that. But big shout <laughs> to my girlfriend for being able to complete a half marathon at Kiowa Island this past weekend, something I could never do. So big shout to her. And also appreciate Fiddy for reminding me to do that, even though I was going to say that anyway. Thank you very much for putting me in the doghouse. Time now to visit what happened on this day in sports history. What you got, Fiddy? Uh, I only did that because you referenced earlier in a break that her dad, who listens to the show, shout out to Walker's girlfriend's dad for listening. <laughs> yes, big shout. If you were going to mention it, and you yep. didn't even mention it when we came back from break, so I felt like it was deserved to throw you under the bus, as Will Palachik liked to do. Thank you. Uh, on this day in 1887, a baseball reporters association is organized. It pledges to work to standardize scoring practices, especially in the gray area of stolen bases. One of my favorite things about baseball whenever you're watching a game is they always wonder if they're going to score it as a base hit or an error. And it seems like no matter what, the broadcasters always get infuriated whichever way the score goes. Uh, and then lastly, on this day in 1984, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar scored 15 points to become the first player in NBA history who surpassed the 32,000 point total in a 131-107 Lakers win over the Warriors. All right, final take and maybe some texts of the day. What's your final take, Wes, after coming in here, watching what happened in the weekend? My final take is I love hearing you guys argue, but uh, my final take also is not a gang bang bang. I don't know what that final take means. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I love seeing y'all argue. Uh-huh. And Niner Gang, bang, bang. Oh, Niner Gang. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. What's your final take, Fitting? Uh, Huber Davis said on Saturday that it felt like it was the first time he saw Carolina basketball on the basketball court. Let's see that continue because I often believe when Carolina plays hard, they play smart and they play together. 
They are usually one of the best teams in all of college basketball. I hope they continue that tomorrow night against the Citadel. I have heard you say that before. I've seen you tweet that a couple times before. My take is something that we've been talking about all day and we'll continue to talk about as the week goes on. It's getting harder and harder for David Tepper and this Panthers organization to go away from Steve Wilkes as the outright head coach of this football team. I think Steve Wilkes should be getting this job. I think it makes all the sense in the world with the way that those guys have responded and after such a huge victory against the Seattle Seahawks on the road, their first road victory of the season. Steve Wilkes right now should be the uh, head coach of this team and especially on a permanent basis going forward with this squad. I do want to go to a few texts of the day too. I was laughing at some people writing in, hey, this is Matt Rule. I deserve some credit for how the Panthers played yesterday. If it weren't for the brand I instilled in this team, we would be having a different conversation today. And that was actually one of a few texts claiming to be Matt Rule and trying to get some of the credit because of the way that this team has been performing. Do you think Matt Rule still feels that like he's just watching? Do you think he pulls for Carolina or do you think he actually pulls against them because he doesn't want Wilkes to be more successful? Oh, no doubt about it, especially with the comments Pulling that he's him, made, right? the pettiness. Yeah. Yes. Definitely against. Fiddy, you were also shaking your head in agreement to that. Yeah, no, he's probably sitting there in his smock, drooling on himself, so pissed he's watching Steve Wilkes get more out of this roster in eight games than he got out of them in two and a half years. Yeah, I have to imagine that's right. I mean, if Matt Rule is watching Steve Wilkes perform so well with the team that, quote-unquote, he built and performing better than the way that Matt Rule is able to perform, absolutely, I'm sure he's pulling against Carolina. That'll do it for Wesson Walker. Again, keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. Alongside one, Josh Fitty Marlowe pulling double duty today. Are you holding up okay? You ready to go? Yeah, I should need to go to the bathroom. All right, that's fine. We'll give you a break. Fiddy will go to the bathroom, <laughs> and then you'll keep it right here for the Kyle Bailey Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.